Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. So let's get over to Q&A. And we've got five questions in the little thing here. Okay. Um, okay. So Anonymous says, can you talk a little bit about converting parking area to accommodate electric vehicles, EVs, and also adding solar panels to roofs as a conversion project? Yeah, we're getting a whole ton of that and lots of lots of questions about it as society moves more towards you know everybody has electric cars it seems like in the garage and they're trying to figure out how to charge them and we're going to be doing probably a dedicated episode here pretty quick to solar and car charging and things like that so a couple of key takeaways there um one what does your power in your current panel allow you to add a double pole breaker to have a car charger. And so a lot of smaller units have, you know, everything's developer grade, right? So I just need the bare minimum. I don't need any extra. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to put in a hundred end panel that's old and outdated or undersized. The unit only needs 98 amps, uh, but this car charger needs another 30. And so now I'd be 98 plus 30. I'd be at 128. I don't have a big enough panel. So am I upgrading my panel? Do I have room to do this? Is the wire coming into the into the complex big enough? So those are, do I have the right, you know, size of pipe to get the power uh, into my car and, and obviously from solar as well? So then the next piece on solar, uh, solar panels. I have, uh, you know, my complex has 10 buildings. I live in building two, but buildings two roof isn't ideal. I'd really like to put my panels on building three. Okay, so now you're putting them on somebody else's roof. So as far as unit owners to have panels, it gets sticky because I live on the shady side and you know that's not my roof over there. We don't want everybody screwing panels through the roof and causing problems. So what we say is focus as an association. You have what's called house power, so parking lots, maybe parking parking lights, uh, parking lot lights, uh, common area lights, sidewalks. You have all these uses for common area power, if you will. Maybe you got a pool. Maybe you need a pool heater. Maybe you got a garbage room that has a compactor. You know, so all those kind of things. Start thinking: Can my solar array run at least house power stuff? And then. Then I need a decision of, am I just trying to make the meter spin backwards and get a check? Or am I trying to live off grid or be prepared when there's a big tornado? And so now I need some battery storage. And so I can run that extra solar power into a battery bank. Now I can keep, uh, keep things, keep key things working well uh, and we're not out of power. And so there's a few, you kind of have to go through a few steps. Where do I put, where do I put the panels? Where, what am I doing with the panel energy? And so, yeah, but it's, if you have all that stuff and you have enough panel size, we're just adding, it's just an electrician to add a, add a Tesla, Tesla charging station or, a, you know, one of the other ones, the regular ones. And they're really a nice amenity when you pull into a place and you see, hey, look at all those. Look at all the uh, electric car charging amenities. That's really cool. 
And then uh, there can be tax credits for solar. There can be tax credits for uh, you know this type of stuff. So hopefully I've answered that. Okay, we went, next question from Jody. We went through over a year of an occupied remediation during COVID. Uh, the renters in the building griped incessantly and left in droves. Many of the owners were more likely to balance, balance the benefits, even though some of them still griped. I can't remember the inconvenience by now. Um, okay, so that I'm, I'm looking for the question. So it's, it's just, hey, it took us a year during COVID. COVID was a, was a pain in the neck. And so, you know, us leading the charge through that, we had to be determined, you know, the project had to be determined essential. We had, you know, news corps and fire marshals showing up to jobs. And then when they'd get there, they'd say, yeah, these decks are falling off. They're dangerous. Uh, continue. And so, you know, there, there was, there was a lot of that, but damaged buildings, making things right. The building official says, take care of it. Uh, if you're doing your dream remodel, then like you can wait. And so that's what we, we saw about that. Uh, the renters were griping because, you know, hey, everybody's forced to stay home. And then I go live through this nail pounding and I, I can't go to work to get away from the noise. I'm stuck in my unit. Everybody's anxiety was high and you're strapped in your told to stay inside. And so, yeah, it was, it was a stressful time. I'm glad we're through that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Anonymous says, and if this, if this freaks you out that I call you out by first name, let me know. Type it in the chat and I won't do that. But anyway. Anonymous writes, writes a question, is the board or the unit owner responsible for structural stuff that allows for home intrusion? Oh, okay. So that's back to the, back to the, uh, what we call them, the frogger. So it's a, a lock on a hatch. Ooh, that'd be an interesting question. I would, I would start with your manager, start with a set of bylaws. Um, and then go to your go to your attorney to understand really what we're trying to prevent here. So building a firewall in that attic, I would say, yeah, it's definitely a, a limited common element. At least it's in the attic. I can only access it from your unit. Uh, but firewall is there for code reasons. Uh, but it also would help, you know, stop some people or at least hear them chipping through the wall and trying to get get into your space. Um, as far as as far as that example I used, we, we went around and put on lockable access doors. And so I don't, I don't know who paid for that. Um, the, I, I think once people understood what was going on, everybody signed up for, yeah, I want that because it was happening in units A and B and they didn't want it happening in the rest of the place. So I would start Start with that. I don't know if it's a structural repair per se, but it would be a unit access. It would be a security element. It would be a common element that everybody needs and it's security related. I, you know, just start that conversation. Um, but I deal with the construction stuff, not with the bylaws stuff. But I can tell you, I've uh, been in the business for over 30 years. This is the first time I've heard of this. And so it, if it's if it's not a common condition, it won't be contemplated in your bylaws. And so <laughs> kind of a sign of the times. Okay, as non anonymous says, is Jen's new paperwork wrong? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's not, yeah. I was like, 
was trying to say, yeah, what's going to make, what am I most scared about? Ooh, yeah, yeah okay. well, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see my building collapse or my loved one's buildings collapse. Um, or just, yeah, security issues that would kind of freak anybody out. Okay, next question, another anonymous. Do you use leak detection tools at every inspection or does the board need to request it? Um, it depends on what we're looking for. And so if we're trying to find a hidden leak that seems mysterious, uh, yeah, you bet. Uh, it's very easy for us to grab, grab the tool and bring it. We don't bring it to every one of them. Um, oftentimes, we we can see the phys you know here's the water coming out of the hole in the deck membrane and the wood is water damaged decayed rotten whatever you want to call it um that that came from this condition so i i can tell you the moisture meter will tell you if it's currently wet or dry it's a sunny warm day but obviously it's damaged and it's currently dry that doesn't mean you're have, don't have a problem. And so the moisture meter is only going to work if it's currently wet. The infrared imaging is only going to work if it's currently wet. Um, but it's infrared is nice because it's a non-invasive tool. It's just a camera that you shine around and you go, oh, wait, hey, go up there, climb up the ladder and kind of look at that wall. And then you'll, after closer inspection, we'll dig into it and find, find there's issues. So it depends on what we're looking for. If we're trying to demonstrate that this window had a problem and go back against the manufacturer, yeah, we'll be saying, look, the leak from this joint caused this issue, it's wet, it's current. Um, so there's, there's lots of different reasons to use them. Uh, let's see, last question. We're coming up on the last one. So if we got any last one or remaining questions, this will be the last one. So anonymous. Are there any indicators that a plumbing inspection is needed other than leaks? Should we be doing this regularly? So um, uh, I think one of the questions, you know, it's it's similar to, I would say, any kind of maintenance. If, you know, oil changes in a car, I, I don't want to wait till my engine is making terrible noises. That means I waited too long. Dental going to the dentist for cleaning. I don't wanna wait till I have a sore tooth. That means I waited way past the cavity is now root canal. And so plumbing inspections, start with age, start with uh, going to your water meter, find your water meter outside. It's a dial and it has a little dial that, that spins really fast. And so open up your thing, make sure the water is off. There's nothing running. And if you see that meter spinning, that means there's a leak somewhere because water is coming through the meter and going, continuing on. But if you know the no, no faucets are on and washers not on, et cetera, that meter spinning, it's telling you got a leak. So that's real easy to check. You just pull the lid off of your water meter and look if that meter's, if that dial is solid, you don't have any leaks. So then look in the other common areas. See, remember all those hatches we were talking about? Open the hatches up, kind of look in there. Look under your basement and your parking garage. You can see a lot of the a lot of the uh, plumbing sometimes. Um, do your best to try to, you know, if you can see it, go look for it. Um, I don't think it's worth tearing drywall off to check your things, but I do think if you know you have galvanized pipe, yeah, start thinking about hey, thirty years, I better start checking some of this stuff. Check your financial reports. 
why are we always paying 10,000 bucks a month for leak repair? So I'm seeing a pattern of things. I just didn't realize it. And so why is it leaking so much? There's little pinholes or something like that. If you know you have a bad plumbing product, like mid nineties, that PVC stuff, gold bond or whatever, had a, had a uh, class action suit. And so, so the joints were getting brittle and bursting. But again, you you know from the repair bills. So should we be doing this regularly? Yeah. Take take peek around. Look look. If it's easy, do it. Uh, okay, that's it for questions. And then we get into giveaways. Dun, 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 dun. So the giveaway, J two box uh, stickers, fun stuff. So Ben knows your list. I don't. And I'm gonna pick a random number. I'm going to say seven because it's lucky and we need all the luck we can in the scary Halloween season. So Ben is going to find you, reach out to you, and uh, put this in the mail to you. So thank you very much. All right, wrapping it up. Did you know we have free resources for boards and managers? Go to learn.j2consultants.com slash resources. We have a big, robust YouTube channel, 300, over 300 videos on YouTube. And webinars, Spotify, iTunes, social. So stay tuned for more content. And we appreciate you making the time to listen to the show. We'll be back on the fourth Tuesday in November. So see you then. Have a great Halloween.